Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our ministry when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Matthew 5, 10 through 16, called Let Your Light Shine. Do not claim that you're being persecuted if you're late to work every day. You get there 20 minutes late, the boss reprimands you, writes you up, and you're like, I'm being persecuted. No, you ain't. You being late. And your light isn't shining so well if you're claiming that your tardiness is persecution. It's not. But if people have to make up stuff about you and verbally abuse you, most of us in this room, and I'm not saying that some of you haven't maybe been threatened physically, but in the West, for the most part, where we stand right now, this moment, persecution probably will be verbal in the form of insult, in the form of nasty words, in the form of a social media post trying to paint you as though you were an idiot. Although the country was built on Christian principles, the church started hospitals, orphanages. Most of the good done around the world is a result of a Christian church being salt and light in the world. Never mind that. Some of the most uh, informed scientists of all the ages are believers. Never mind that. They will throw insults at you. And this is the way that the enemy tries to silence Christians by people chirping at you so that you don't want to talk anymore or people making false accusations against you. If it's happened to you, welcome to the club. In fact, I would say to you, you're in really good company because Jesus says that they persecuted the prophets in the same way that were before you. In fact, he says the response to this persecution is really the essence of what blessedness is. Rejoice and be glad for your reward in heaven is great for they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now, are you saying, Jesus, that someone runs me down at the office and it's the lunch hour and I walk out the door going, thank you, Lord, praise the Lord, hallelujah. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I usually don't respond that way. The persecution is not fun. The promise is what we hold on to. Nobody wants to be disliked by a coworker or a family member. So that each time you walk in the room, you feel like you're the joke, right? And maybe you're in this situation right now. You've, you've stated that you're a believer. You've stated it clearly. And you walk into the room and there's some snickering going on. <laughs> there's those noises again. But you know what? Some, sometimes the snickering is only the surface hiding the real issue. I, I've shared the story before, I'll share it again. Alistair Begg said that he, he knew of a, a young man at a company who had become a Christian and he had decided to take a stand and his friends were 
constantly going out to these gentlemen's clubs, not filled with many gentlemen. And he had become a, a believer and he decided to get serious and he said, I'm not going to those places anymore. And his friends mocked him. It was a Friday afternoon. Hey, we're, we're going to the place. You coming? No. I'm not going to those places anymore. I'm not going to dishonor my God. I'm not going to dishonor my wife. Okay, okay. You know, all of that. Over the weekend, one of those friends called the Christian on the telephone, said, I just found out that my wife is going to have a baby girl. I want to know why you don't go to those places. Do you see what happened? A little ridicule in the moment, but what did it produce? A person who was thinking. Here's a person that doesn't go with the flow. Why don't they go with the flow? Could you handle a little bit of persecution if you saw it as an open door? Could you handle a little bit of persecution knowing that your reward in heaven is great because Daniel got persecuted and Isaiah got persecuted and Jeremiah got persecuted and Nehemiah got persecuted and I could go on and on, right? You guys know that the prophets were not always the most popular dudes in town. They'd often show up at a place, Isaiah was promised that every sermon you give, no one will listen to you. What a glorious calling. You walk into the first place, good morning, good to see you all, here's my message. I'm about to speak and none of you will listen to a word that I have to say. Have a nice day. And then you go on to the next place. And some of the, the ends of those men are recorded in Hebrews 11. And it, and it isn't pretty. If they were only living for this life, well, then they would do whatever they could to wiggle out of it. But that wasn't the case. Notice in verse 12, Jesus says, rejoice and be glad because of the reward, not because of the persecution. And because the disciples in context were now the voice, the prophetic voice on the earth. So they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Suggests that now you are the prophetic voice. Guess who the prophetic voice is today in our culture? Just look around because... They're right next to you. That's what Jesus has called us to do and to be. Take a peek at Matthew 10 quickly. Here's something that Jesus preached to his disciples. I think you'll be able to see whatever else you think about the context of this passage that it is definitely addressed to the first century apostles. He says, 1017 of Matthew, beware of men for they will deliver you up to the courts Scourge you in their synagogues, Matthew ten eighteen. You shall even be brought before governors and kings for my sake, as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. When they deliver you up, don't become anxious about what you will speak, for it shall be given you in that hour what to speak. It's not you who speak, but it's the spirit of your father who speaks in you. Brother will deliver up brother to death, and a father his child. Children will raise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. And you will be hated on all on account of my name, by all on account of my name. But it is the one who has endured to the end who will be saved. Whenever they persecute you in this city, 
This is the essence of what persecution is. You feel threatened, so you flee. Flee to the next. For truly I say to you, you shall not finish going through the cities of Israel until the Son of Man comes. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a slave above his master. It's enough for the disciple that he become as his teacher and the slave as his master. If they've called the head of the house Beelzebul, how much more the members of his household. Therefore, do not fear them, for there's nothing covered that will not be revealed and hidden that will not be known. Don't worry about it because everything is going to be exposed. What I tell you in the darkness, speak in the light. What you hear whispered in your ear, proclaim upon the housetops. Don't fear those who kill the body, but are unable to kill the soul. Rather, fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a cent? Yet none of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. The very hairs of your head are all numbered. Therefore, do not fear. You're of more value than many sparrows. Everyone, therefore, who shall confess me before men, I will also confess him before my Father who's in heaven. But whoever shall deny me before men, I will also deny him before my Father who's in heaven. Back to Matthew 5. Not easy words, but Jesus is saying, if you're going to align with the king and the kingdom, you will get positive responses from many as Jesus did. People flocked to him. Motives obviously did vary. But there were some who wanted to silence him. And that's because he exposed who they really were. The kingdom principle, the kingdom promise. Persecution is light and momentary and it's producing an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. 2 Corinthians 4, 17 and 18. While we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen, the things which are seen are temporary. The things which are not seen are eternal. Spurgeon says, our joy and gladness are to exceed all ordinary bounds when we are honored with the decoration of the iron cross and the collar of SS or savage slander that comes against us. So the apostles get persecuted in Acts chapter 5, and they rejoice for the privilege of being persecuted for the sake of the king and the kingdom. Imagine such a thing. Imagine that in the week ahead, you might say, you know, Lord, if I do get persecuted at the office today, I'm going to have the greatest day ever and rejoice and be glad. No? <laughs> I see you guys looking at me like, no, I don't. But this is why the kingdom is so different. Let's move into the metaphors now. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has become tasteless or lost its saltiness, New King James, how will it be made salty again? It's good for nothing anymore except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Two metaphors after the promise of persecution. You are the salt of the earth. This is not an imperative. He's not saying, okay, wake up and be salty. He's saying rather, this is who you are. It's an indicative. It means this is just simply who you are because you know the king. You are the salt of the earth. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. 
Would you please consider supporting Walk in Truth being on this radio station and podcast for at least $5 a month? As a thank you, we'll send you more content from Pastor Michael and the Walk in Truth team through our new Walk in Truth app. You will have quick access to our daily episodes. You can watch videos of Pastor Michael's most recent Sunday sermons and access to our bonus podcast and video series, A Step Closer. All this and more is available to you on our new Walk in Truth app as a thank you for your financial gift. Please become a financial partner of at least $5 a month. Visit walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. In the collar of SS or savage slander that comes against us. So the apostles get persecuted in Acts chapter 5, and they rejoice for the privilege of being persecuted for the sake of the king and the kingdom. Imagine such a thing. Imagine that in the week ahead, you might say, you know, Lord, if I do get persecuted at the office today, I'm going to have the greatest day ever and rejoice and be glad. No? (laughs) I see you guys looking at me like, no, I don't. But this is why the kingdom is so different. Let's move into the metaphors now. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has become tasteless or lost its saltiness, New King James, how will it be made salty again? It's good for nothing anymore except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Two metaphors after the promise of persecution. You are the salt of the earth. This is not an imperative. He's not saying, okay, wake up and be salty. He's saying, rather, this is who you are. It's an indicative It means this is just simply who you are because you know the king. You are the salt of the earth. By the way, you're not just the salt of Corona, his audience there. You're not just the salt of Galilee or Judea or Jerusalem. You are the salt, look at your Bible, of the earth. The whole earth needs the salt of the church. Amen? What does salt do? Well, if you've ever read sections on these sermons... Salt is a preservative in the ancient world. They salted meat. They didn't have refrigeration. Salt can produce thirst. Salt was added to sacrifices. You can do a whole volume on salt. But Jesus is not talking about any of that. He's talking about salt as flavor. Amen? How many of you like a little salt on your food? Raise up your hand. Confession is good for the soul. I have a family member who is so enthralled by salt that this individual will salt things that do not need salt. However, on the reverse side of that, have you ever tried to eat unsalted potato chips? All God's people said, yuck. Unsalted peanuts? That should be a mortal sin. (laughs) Unsalted french fries? Oh, no. (laughs) Have you ever, in love, loosened the top of the salt shaker (laughs) so that your friend... (laughs) 
That could be too much salt. Jesus is saying that salt adds flavor or it leaves a taste in the mouth. Just so you know that we're on the right track, look at verse 13. If salt becomes tasteless, that's what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about the savor of believers that each one of us, when we are living for Christ, will leave a taste in the mouth. And in this case, it will be a pleasant taste just like salt added to fries or whatever else you want to talk about, can add flavor. It can make something better. Amen? Sometimes you get a bowl of soup and you're like, this needs a little bit of salt, and you salt it and it tastes better. When Christians are doing what we're supposed to do, the world is better. Amen? Amen. Salt is a metaphor, note takers, for influence. You might want to write that down. Salt equals influence. And when we're influenced and leaving a good taste in people's mouth, as it were, what kind of taste? A taste of kindness, a taste of compassion. Taste and see, taste, salt, see, light, both metaphors. Taste and see that the Lord is good. How would, how would someone know that the Lord is good? They'll get a taste of your life. They'll get a taste of your family. They'll get a taste of the moral beauty that you've uh, embraced as a believer. You know what I'm saying? They get a taste of your love. And they'll go something like this. Wow, that's different. And it's good. You're not just the salt of Corona. You're not just the salt of Galilee. You're the salt of the earth. But what happens if salt loses its saltiness? Do you go like this? You know, this salt needs salt. That's a contradiction in terms. If you have a salt shaker filled with salt that's unsalty, you're probably going to do what? Toss it because if if salt isn't salty, then it isn't worth anything. You could throw it on the road and it'd be, it could be end of verse 13, trampled underfoot by men and apparently the salt of the ancient world, if it came in contact with other chemicals of the earth, it would lose its saltiness. Kind of an interesting connection. We come in too close of contact with the things of the world, we lose our saltiness. Some years ago I talked to an elder of a church He was speaking about a Christian leader, an extremely prominent, uh, amazing preacher who got himself in some trouble. He was in a compromised situation. And unfortunately, it stumbled his ministry. This is many, many years ago. He was probably one of the leading voices in the Christian world in terms of teaching and authority And this elder said to me, how do you make the salt salty again? Do you understand what he was saying, brothers and sisters? It's hard to get it back once it's been compromised. And Jesus is basically saying this, your influence in this world will be a result of who you are. You don't have to produce it. You don't have to wake up tomorrow morning and say, oh Lord, Lord, 
Uh, I, I just need to be salty. No, it's more like this. Your saltiness will be a direct connection to your link with the king and the power of the Holy Spirit. Spurgeon puts it this way. There is a secret something, which is the secret of believer's power. That something is savor or taste. It's not easy to define it, but yet it is absolutely essential for usefulness. When it is there, it impacts the world and the world notices. Colossians 4, 6 puts it this way. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned as it were with salt, so that you may know how you should respond to each person. Our lives hopefully will get people asking questions about our link to the king, our spiritual diet. Everybody with me? And it will produce a savor that will make an impact. So pass the salt. That's all I can say. (laughs) Next verse. Second metaphor, you are the light of the world. I find it amazing that Jesus, just like he said of salt, this is what you are. He says of light, you are the light of the world. Wait a minute, I thought Jesus was the light of the world. Oh, he is. But his light has become my light. As those boys in the African children's choir were singing. We can be a light to others around us. Light equals visibility. Salt influence, light visibility. Notice the the metaphor. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. You've been listening to Let Your Light Shine, part two on Walk in Truth. And that was Pastor Michael's teaching in Matthew chapter five, verses 10 through 16. If you missed any part of today's program, Walk in Truth is on Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and many more podcast apps. Listen for free to Pastor Michael's teachings in more books of the Bible. We would also love to hear from you. You can email Pastor Michael with your questions you may have from his teachings today, or maybe you have a question about something else, or need encouragement, or prayer. Maybe you'd like to share how Pastor Michael's teachings have affected you. You can email Pastor Michael at contact at walkintruth.com. That's contact at walkintruth.com. And thanks for reaching out. You can also find our mailing address on walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word. Well, sometimes as believers, you know, in, in our polarized world, we wonder, how can I be a light to others without necessarily walking into work with my family Bible? <laughs> you know, can I be a little bit more strategic? Um, how do I be a little bit more loving, but, you know, still make the impact? And, and look, uh, we all want to be, um, winsome, effective. We certainly don't want to repel people. We want people to be hopefully attracted to us in the best sense of that word, because the Lord in us is what they're seeing. That will be winsome. That will be something that they'll want to know more about. And sometimes they'll want to know more in their own personal crisis. You know, when everything's going well in the world, sometimes as a Christian in an office or, you know, in a family context or wherever you may be, you may not be the most popular person, the most sought out, but you know, inevitably this world goes through its trials like we're in right now. They will seek you out because you know the one that they know the answers are found within him. 
And so that's when you can shine. And so you look for your opportunities. You don't have to be, you know, uh, overbearing, but be who you are and the Lord will provide opportunities. Pray for them. Ask the Lord to give you discernment when to speak, when to hold back, how to say things. Partner up with someone. If you know there's another believer in your company, be strategic about how you pray and uh, how hard you work. Be a witness and you'll have an opportunity to share the light of Christ. This is Pastor Michael Lance. That's really the essence of 1 Peter 3.15. Sanctify Christ as Lord in your heart. Always be ready. You'll be able to give a reason for the hope that you have. And you can do it with gentleness and respect. Hey, if you want to know more about our ministry, you can go to walkintruth.com, walkintruth.com, and we'll see you, Lord willing, uh, tomorrow as we do part three on Let Your Light Shine. See you then. Remember, Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. We appreciate our Walk in Truth financial partners. You contribute to our ministry, broadcast, and podcast. As a thank you for your support, we've created the Walk in Truth app. you got to check it out. It's available in your app store. If you'd like to become a Walk in Truth partner, any amount is appreciated. You can now give on the Walk in Truth app or visit walkintruth.com. And join us tomorrow for the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in Matthew 5, 10 through 16, called Let Your Light Shine. I'm Mike Massaro. On behalf of Pastor Michael Lance and Living Truth Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people.